listening to this podcast for the BJSM community. I'm Karen Khan, the Editor-in-Chief, and I'm delighted to be with Farouk Mohammed, who I met at the Footballers Medicine Conference in Odense in Denmark. And what's particularly exciting is that he comes at this conference from a patient perspective. And as some of you will know, BJSM has acknowledged that we've really missed the opportunity of engaging with patients more in the past. We're trying to fix that, thanks to Dr. Osman Ahmed, who's leading the patient voice section with Tracy Blake. And so with no further ado, I'm gonna um, welcome Farouk to the podcast and say thanks so much for chatting with me this Saturday morning in uh, Odense, Denmark. Uh, good morning, uh, Kareem. Absolute uh, delight, absolute pleasure to, to, to have this opportunity to meet you and uh, have this opportunity to kind of share my experience. Farouk, you were part of this conference speaking about patient experience. So I think the best story is if you just let the audience know how you engage with the medical system and what brought you ultimately here as a patient in addition to your work as a management consultant. Yeah, I was um, I was very pleased to be invited here to come and share my experience. My session was titled A Heart Patient's Journey and it's just talking about my journey from when I first became a heart patient diagnosed back in 2012 to where I am today and it's been a journey certainly from starting off as a patient to being invited to this conference in Denmark and speaking here and sharing my experience with um, all these professionals uh, from academia, medical backgrounds and sports backgrounds. So you're a perfectly healthy football fan, active, had no risk factors for cardiac disease and you had a medical exam and what happened there? Well, I, I went for a routine uh, uh, checkup. It was part of the, the company that I worked for at the time. Um, so I went for my annual checkup and expected to be given a, a kind of clean bill of health, as I, I have been previous years. And the physician decided to kind of send me for some more tests. He wasn't entirely happy with the findings of the ECG test. I went through a battery of different tests. Uh, to be honest, I was getting a little bit irritated to being constantly referred. So I went from an ECG to a stress test to an ultrasound and then an angiogram. And on the day of the angiogram, the cardiologist at London Bridge Hospital felt pretty confident that I'd be given a clean bill of health looking at me and, and, and as you say, risk factors. But to his and my surprise, I ended up having an angioplasty on the back of that angiography and having three stents implanted to clear three blockages. And if we fast forward through all the medical issues to move into the exciting part about your role with football in medicine, do you want to share where you're at medically as far as the ultimate number of stents and surgeries? Sure. So my physician, uh, using his words, um, so he's uh, diagnosed me as having an aggressive case of ischemia. So over the last six and a half years, I've had seven procedures. I've got eight stents in all three main arteries, the right coronary, the left anterior and the circumflex. And I'm currently on eight different meds to help me kind of manage my, my situation, my condition. So way too much dealing with a medical profession than one would like, but uh, it's great to be with you today. So let's take our listener into your engagement with the rehab team and Brian, who seems like an absolute hero, and how you got into football as part of your treatment. Well, I I first met Brian when um, after I'd had my first procedure, I was referred to the, if you like, the, the standard cardiac rehabilitation program, which is eight weeks. And it's two hours a week, one hour um, each session, twice a week. 
And I very quickly saw and realised that I wasn't getting any benefit from it. I was already pretty fit. A lot of the exercises involved sitting down, lifting your, your feet, you know, just light weights, moving your arms, so on and so forth. And um, I was already in a pretty, I don't want to use the word dark or depressed place, but having gone from, you know, you know, feeling fit to suddenly, you know, having three stents put in and then suddenly being told I'm a heart patient uh, and then find myself in the situation where I was there to be rehabilitated, but far from it, I didn't feel like I was being rehabilitated. Brian, fantastic guy. He's the guy who actually runs the cardiac rehab unit down there. He's a big football fan. And what he had done as a extracurricular activity outside of the system, if you like, is set up a very informal kickabout involving a few heart patients, I suppose, like myself at the time. And he'd invited me to come along. At the time, I was uncertain that it would have any any kind of value, any, any meaning for me. But I, I am a big football fan, so I was kind of quite intrigued. And when I turned up uh, on a Wednesday evening to this school hall uh, and I saw some heart patients kicking a ball around, if nothing else, it it left me completely inspired because I saw people much older than me in their late 70s, touching 80, who had gone through a far more invasive procedure, uh, for example, a, a bypass operation, and they were running around and kicking a ball. And I thought, well, you know, if that's what they're doing at their age, then as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing wrong with me. So I kind of joined in, so it left me very inspired and then got me thinking about what a fantastic thing this was and why there wasn't more of this to help others around the country and what could I do to help take this group forwards. It had no identity, it had no brand, but there was certainly the kernel of a fantastic idea to take this to the next level and that's where I got involved. And what happened next? Well, um, I think the story starts with Brian. I started effectively badgering Brian, saying, Brian, this is a fantastic idea. We've got to kind of take this further. And Brian has been in the health service, man and boy, I think over 30 plus years. And he's a very dedicated health professional. And he was very open and honest with me to look for, you know, this is about as, as much as I can kind of like do branding, identity, giving uh, the group a kind of a sense of ownership. I think that's where it's going to need somebody like yourself to come in and get involved. And as it happens, uh, by sheer coincidence, I was at the time working for a global energy company. I was a business development director, so I come from the business world. And I'd also made, just to digress, the decision to actually leave my job. I wanted to do something different with my life. And uh, again, by accident rather than by design, I ended up founding and running a management consultancy, which today is is quite strong. So really, because you had this hard incident, that changed your thinking about your career and your life in general. So it wasn't an accident that you were in management consulting rather than working for the big firm. Now you use those business skills to do what for the patient group? Well, it was about how can we take this idea out there to help uh, more people. That's always been part of my value set. And the, this group didn't even have a name. So I kind of started thinking about, you know, what, what can we kind of name this, 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 this football group? I then consulted with the other players. I consulted with Brian. And we settled on the name Two Touch, 
Athletic Football Club. Um, so the first two words, two touch, what does that mean? That was all about the type of football that was being played where, as a footballer, speaking as a footballer, if you received the ball, you were only allowed two touches. The effect that that had was it was a, a leveller, so irrespective of whether you were Cristiano Ronaldo able to kind of run with the ball and go, go past five players, or somebody that was just learning the game, it meant that it just kind of created a little bit of a leveller where everybody could participate. You would receive the ball, that's one touch, and then you would look to pass the ball. Even though I'm a heart patient and I'm looking at my peers who are heart patients and they all have a variety of very different cardiac kind of conditions and situations that they've come from, um, they leave me inspired with the way that they play football and the way that they actually move. And you wouldn't know unless you speak to them like you're speaking to me today. We have kind of developed this kind of kinship, this camaraderie within the group. I don't mind saying that I think unless I'd become a heart patient, so there are some kind of benefits to becoming a heart patient. I don't think I would have met this group of guys and developed these kind of friendships, which if I think about how many active members there are within our group, We've got over 60. I know all of them and I count them as my friends. And I, th I think the, the, the kind of, when I reflect on it, as I'm talking to you right now, when we hear about one of our group, you know, not feeling so well or he's gone into hospital, we all kind of feel a sense of kind of like, you know, we need to go and check up on that guy and find out what's going on and provide some kind of support without necessarily being overly uh, fussed on or interfering or meddling because I've been on the receiving end of that and the last thing I want is somebody fussing over me when I just want to get on with sorting myself out and get back on my feet. So I think as, as patients we kind of can strike that balance. Farouk, let's focus on how patients can help inform the health professions and some of the frustrations that people living with conditions may feel in the current health system. Everybody, irrespective of whether you're a heart patient or not, you know yourself, you know your body, you know what you actually need and you want to be heard, you want to be listened to. And I think the challenge, I won't use the word problem because I think the guys that work in cardiac rehabilitation do a fantastic job, so not all is bad. But, you know, it is a very fixed standard stock kind of program and, you know, it's labelled cardiac rehabilitation. But if you're not getting any rehabilitation out of it, then how can it be a cardiac rehabilitation program that's working? It certainly didn't work for me. If anything, it made me even more depressed, maybe exaggerating by using the word depressed, but it certainly wasn't working for me. And I was, you know, I was there at the first session and then I was already thinking, well, I've got another seven, eight weeks of this and I'm not getting anything out of it and I, I need something different. It was way too easy. It was effectively a circuit of different exercises and just to kind of characterise it. I mean, one of the exercises was sitting on a chair and just lifting your feet alternately, using some very light weights and just kind of like doing some bicep kind of curls. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, this is not working for me. It's not, I'm not even working up a, a, a heart rate here. Yeah. And to put it in context for the listener, I'm sitting with a guy who's 50 and who looks like he could play for England in uh, the World Cup still. So, you know, just imagine that this very standardised program not working for someone of Farouk's uh, capacity. You know, just, just, just developing that forwards and coming back to two-touch, you know, when I joined the group, we had a fledgling idea. We were all meeting on a Wednesday evening for one hour today um, and we'll be celebrating 10 years this year. We have three sessions a week. Each of those three sessions is very different. I would say that they've been designed by patients 
for patients of varying and different abilities. So on a Monday, we have very much a circuit-based uh, session, which has, I think, it's either 29 or 30 exercises. I can't remember, Karim. Um, but you literally do these very different exercises and it's more geared towards people that are coming out of hospital having had a procedure and at the end of those exercises you have a 10 minute either kick about with a football if you want to or I, or you can play badminton or you can do something else so it's very kind of relaxed and, and and there's no kind of real kind of disadvantages we then have the wednesday group that i've already talked about these are five minute small-sided kind of football games and each evening we'll have anywhere between three and four teams and we'll be kind of like alternating. So you play five minutes and you have a break and that really kind of works and you're playing two-touch football. But then there are guys like myself that have actually progressed from these kind of sessions and there was a call from the patients themselves, from some of my kind of peers, uh, for something a bit more kind of physical and a bit more challenging. And we now have an outdoor session on a Sunday morning, 10 o'clock in East London, where um, the game can vary anywhere between seven to nine a side. We play for 60 minutes, it's two sides. And again, we've designed that game, that format, where we're playing for eight minute uh, sessions, and then we're having a quick water break and then carrying on again. We even do a post-match social media interview. And if you actually want to catch up on some of these interviews, please go to our Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn pages on YouTube and Twitter. We have the same handle. It's at 2TouchAFC and it's the word two rather than the numeral two. And on LinkedIn, it's 2TouchAthleticFC in full. What's the opportunity for women in rehab along these lines? I think there's a huge opportunity. I will confess and say that even though we've got 60 odd active strong members today, um, we've only got a handful of women and they tend to generally stick to the Monday night session, which is the circuit based session. And that their route into our group has very much been as a consequence of being wives and partners of some of the guys and having seen some of the benefits that the guys have got. And I think we need to be doing more and we have already started thinking about what activities, and this is coming from the women within the group, what activities would be best suited to them because they have decided that football is not for them. But I'm now, having been at this conference, just wondering whether they might have just been a bit preemptive there because I've been inspired seeing women's football teams here over the age of 60 up to the age of 80, 85. There's an 85-year-old goalkeeper, a female goalkeeper, who, who I've been hearing about. There was also another team here that are breast cancer survivors uh, and they're playing football and, and, and seeing some kind of real benefits, although that's a, a study at the moment. Being part of this group on that journey, talking to the physician, I've developed trust. Um, I've developed a, a level of kind of comfort with my fellow kind of heart patients where, you know, when you're resting, you know, for five minutes on the side and you're sitting on the bench having just played and you're talking to each other about how are you doing? Are you having any side effects? You begin to kind of open up and talk about it and share. And that's when you really appreciate some of that kind of um, support, whether it's somebody who's having the same side effects and can, can actually share their experience. You told me that you've had some very good social functions like the annual event yeah. and you're moving yeah. towards some fundraising. Yeah. 
So um, again, uh, just picking up on wanting to help others and want to, to, to give back. Over the last six and a half years that I've been involved with, I've organised two major kind of fundraising kind of activities. Uh, one was where we participated in Movember and we decided to grow some spaghetti western moustaches. I'm sure you've seen the Clint Eastwood movies. We had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Again, there's some pictures on our kind of social media if you want to have a look at that. And then last year, at the beginning of the year, we participated in the People's FA Cup, which is a grassroots kind of competition and, and you can kind of play it at Wembley. And uh, by participating in that tournament, I came across a team of testicular cancer survivors in the north of England. So I live and work in London. We're based in London. And I reached out to them and I proposed to them a game where I would bring up to the north of England a team of heart patients and maybe we could play them a game of football and in the process raise some money for the local cardiac rehab unit that we've all benefited from and they're always strapped for cash. A very long story short, together with climbing over the O2, which some people might know as the Millennium Dome, uh, we raised £3,500 which we were able to donate to, to the local hospital by presenting a cheque to the chief executive. So fundraising is very close to my heart. It's corporate social responsibility, something that is an important part of uh, my business, my consultancy. So we also uh, make a donation annually to different charities, be it the British Heart Foundation or the Alzheimer's Society. You know, we, we, we think about charities where there is a direct or an indirect link with ourselves, where it touches us and wanting to basically help. It's all about giving. You know, nobody's here forever. So, you know, uh, we want to, while we're here, we want to do everything that we can. And a short one, Farouk, apart from confessing to be a Man United fan, it sounds like the doctors and the health officials used to beat the cardiac patients in football, but you finally got your revenge? Yeah, um, so we have this fantastic thing uh, where we play the physicians every year in a showcase kind of football football match. And these physicians, although some of them look a little bit old, Karim, I can tell you they're super, super fit. I suppose being cardiac physicians, they kind of know what you have to do to look after your bodies, but they're super fit. And I think it must have been a bit of a novelty factor for them to be playing against heart patients that they've operated on. And every year they've been successful. I dare say they've even taken, an e they've taken it easy with us. Uh, and they've beaten us every single year. And I think not last year, but the year before, we, we they saw that we were getting closer and closer because we managed to draw. And then last year, we managed to um, upset the odds. We actually beat them. And again, you can follow up on that on our social media. And for, for us, that was a huge achievement. I mean, we're 10 years in as a club to play the physicians that operate on us and actually beat them at football. And Professor Schilling, who leads the physicians that we play football against, is a very funny guy, I must say. He's very talented at what he does, but he's a funny guy. And he talked about how perhaps he needs to rethink their approach to cardiac interventions because they might be making too much progress. So they might need to just start, you know, turning things down a little bit. <laughs> just to get a chance of winning back the, the trophy next year. So, but no, we're, we're very close to the physicians. And I think as much as they inspire us for what they do helping us, I think uh, we inspire them, especially when they go from operating 
honours on a table to playing football against us. I think we're, we're challenging a lot of preconceptions about what heart patients are capable of and, and what they're not capable of. I hear stories about different parts of the world, different organisations even within the same country where, you know, they don't want you to do anything that's too physical, that uh, means that you're going to exert yourself too much, almost kind of seeing that as a risk factor, a danger, when in reality I would invite you and any kind of physician to come down to, to my club and just look at some of these amazing guys and how much they exert themselves and run around, but it's all done within a very controlled environment. And I, and I kind of stress that because all of that control and safe environment that we've created has come from patients. We're very much self-regulating, self-managing. We've not relied on consultants or physicians or professionals or people come along and telling us how we really need to kind of design the sessions. Of course, it's good to take advice and, and, and take that on board and take the bits that kind of work for you. But at the end of the day, we are the ones that are in the middle of this and we kind of know what works for us and what doesn't. So it's taking the bits that work for you and perhaps leaving the bits that don't work for you so much. Farouk, so many things to talk about. I'd love to keep you involved with the BJSM patient voice more broadly. What about a take-home message from things that health professionals who listen to this podcast can listen to and patients who are listening, you know, what do you say to them? Well, um, I think in terms of the take-home message, I think I'll just pick up on the last slide that I presented here at the conference, which was two things. It was a vision of three things and it was some 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 kind of key asks so if i start with a vision the three things i think the first one is going back to the cardiac rehab kind of program and this kind of standardized uniform kind of approach and to open up to the idea of giving patients options so in the uk i would like to see the that the football that we participate in being offered as an another option alongside the existing cardiac rehab that's kind of provided so that patients have a choice because ultimately everything has a cost to it and I'm sure the uh, budget holders uh, you know the, the the authorities they want to get value for money so that's number one uh, number two is I now having been on this journey appreciate you know the the, the value of prevention so and I'd like to think that I'm, I'm doing my little bit in contributing to raising awareness within society. So I would certainly like to see our programme, again, our football, and I'm sure there are other things, but just generally in society, um, the message taken out there in the UK, we've got 7 million people fighting cardiovascular disease every single day. So if we can try and catch those people early, and you talked about this in your presentation yesterday, then I think we can kind of go a long way to perhaps reducing the overall number of people that find themselves in a situation where they need rehabilitation, so focus on the prevention. And then the last thing, it's not necessarily kind of like a takeaway, I think it's more personal to our group in the UK, is my vision is to kind of establish our club as a social enterprise, a community interest company that we can then kind of use as a vehicle to kind of take the message out uh, further afield. Some asks, you know, if there are people listening to this podcast in different parts of the world, we'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on social media, but we'd also like to kind of collaborate 
if we can come and share our experiences. We would love to. I already travel around the world with my business, so I'm very fortunate in that respect. But whilst I'm there, if I can talk about this side of my life as well, I'd love to do that. But equally, I, uh, with, with my guys, we're always looking for opportunities to travel now and play football against other teams. And we don't mind traveling, we're really up for it. We're coming to Italy in the summer. I've made some fantastic contacts here at the conference with the Portuguese FA. They're already suggesting that we might want to come out to Portugal. Um, I've made some contacts with the Swedish FA, the Danish FA. So yeah, I think people talk about life begins at 40. Well, I think in our case, it almost feels like life is beginning now as heart patients which is a very odd thing to say but we're really embracing life and we feel like we've got something to share we've got something to offer so i hope there's something within all of that as um, as takeaways for your audience and that is absolutely fantastic Farouk. thanks for spending the time with me today and smooth travels back to uk and to training on monday thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to kind of share my experiences and that was Farouk Mohammed, and we were speaking about patient engagement, patient involvement, patient control of um, their lives to have better outcomes and the education and benefits that health professionals can have from engaging with doctors. And I hope you follow that up in the BJSM and the BMJ and uh, other organisations that are getting behind this concept of PPI, patient and public involvement. Thanks for listening to this um, BJSM podcast. And if you like what you're hearing, please share it on social media. Yeah.